Would you like to come and stall it? Ah, will you just stall it, look? I'd like to come and stall it I'm not really in the mood Well, come on and bleed and stall it Yeah, house hatcher I'm not a house hatcher We'll stall it for the crack We're gonna have a laugh Hello, how are you doing? Welcome Starlet is a Go Loud original podcast proudly sponsored by the Five Lamps, mm. the beer from our hell. And what a beer. And what a beer. What a beer indeed. It's, it's absolutely gorgeous, isn't it? And what a website. What website? Drinkaware.ia. Yeah, that's, that's a website as well, yeah. What a beer, what a website. But more importantly, what a beer. Um, what, yeah, definitely. Very special episode today. It is a special episode. Like, we do a little bit of a deep dive mm-hmm. on a very interesting point in time in American history. MK Ultra. MK Ultra. Give us a synopsis. I'd say it's when post World War II, the Americans, the CIA, were testing out mind control techniques and they were using primarily LSD to achieve that goal. And it goes, the treads unravel left, right, and center. That was a secret endeavor. It wasn't public, it wasn't public knowledge. And probably they wanted to keep it that way. And then they didn't keep it that way because it became public knowledge because we're talking about it. By mistake though. They destroyed loads of evidence and there was only a few bits of pieces. We we, we learn all this in the podcast. They they found a few files, a few boxes of files by accident in Donald Trump's jacks. (laughs) (laughs) That's where it was hiding in Donald Trump's jacks. I think Donald Trump was three at the time. (laughs) I doubt it. What age was it? I would have fucking... He would have been like he would have been young, young enough though. His outfit would have been powerful. Yeah, true. His outfit would have been knocking around back then, 50s, 60s. Yeah. But some dark shit happened. And it includes Charles Manson. It includes my favourite conspiracy JFK. theory, the JFK conspiracy. Uh, it brings all of that into question. I, I love, love that it. you have a, f- a favourite conspiracy. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. It just sparks in my mind and gets me excited. I'm like, whoa, what the fuck happened? Ah, it's crazy. The bullet came from the front. Ah! It's a great episode, though. It is a good episode. I'm excited for everyone to, to hear it. I hope you enjoy it. Will we get on with it? Let's do it. Let's go. Owen, any questions? Oh, that's the other one. Owen, any questions? Your mind is blown from all that LSD talk. <laughs> Lucy in the sky with Darden. I haven't had breakfast. My stomach is going to be going. Oh, I anything either. Just one crisp. Mm. One. Imagine that. That's why you're acting so funny today. He's hungry. He started on, on me earlier. Bollocks, like. He started on you. Yeah, he did. You. What did he do? Went head to head with him. Yeah. And poor little. I snuck up on him. He caught me a scumbag from fingers. I did that. No. I snuck up on him. <laughs> <laughs> he snuck up on him. Now when he obviously didn't say tell your man saved your life, but that same kind of like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I just went. Don't fucking do that to me again. Yeah. <laughs> And then I went, how's things? He made everyone in the room feel very uncomfortable. Very intense. Am I being a bit of a fucker lately? Everyone. <laughs> Getting too big for your boots? Yeah, a bit, yeah. Raining them horses, man. Since you got me with that I rugby I like going backwards because I used to always be like that when I was younger. Just Falling irritating. back into your old ways. Very irritating. Irritable, like. You get oh, irritated. No, I irritate people, like, on purpose. Oh, Push the buttons okay. and then go, I'm only messing, like. You always do that, though. But I'm getting worse. Are you? Yeah. You get I a kick it. out of it, like a psychopath. I love it, yeah. <laughs> I fucking love that. But when I start going out with Marla, there was a time she came up behind me and done that, like, rah, to give me a little fright. And my <laughs> knee-jerk... My <laughs> literally, <laughs> it was that, rah. And uh, my knee-jerk reaction, or I should say elbow-jerk reaction, I swung my arm around oh, no. and gave her an elbow in, into the face. Did you? Yeah, yeah. I only start going out with her as well. Like, she came up behind me on the street, like, hey, yeah. And boom, 
get up the fuck don't come up on me like from that from Summer Hill don't be doing yeah. that to don't me don't be creeping yeah. up on me on the blade and bally back road you dope yeah. <laughs> there's a bounty on my head yeah don't be doing that <laughs> blade and proper clock there as well like I think she had a bruise for a few days Jesus she still stuck with me <laughs> and you're not up to all that anymore that doesn't happen anymore no. only when she gets out of line <laughs> no right. I'm only messing with that. obviously I don't batter if I and she batters me well hopefully not no, she does. This is a. I'm crying out if I help her. If think any of what, these issues affected you, you're, uh, in a domestic relationship, <laughs> I'm in a domestic relationship. <laughs> yeah, don't have to blink. You just tell me. Um, it's just not an abusively domestic relationship. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Are you in a domestic relationship? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Get married and all. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty domestic. Well, not violent. No, 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 no. Jeez, or just no, like, no. can I have a game of FIFA? No, yeah. you can't. And what Fair happened? Enough. And what happened? That bruise on your face. Where, where did that come from? Shadow boxing. Boxing shadows? Yeah. Boxing myself. <laughs> Boxing your own shadows. There's a shadow on my face. Boom. Punching the leg off myself when I don't pack R9. <laughs> <laughs> that is, like two you're going to have to explain that one to me and to maybe 90% of the listeners out there. R9? Do you Ronaldo. know what? Packing R9? Brazilian Ronaldo R9. Oh, packing R9 means that. Ultimate team. Packing them. It's a kid's thing. Oh, it's a kid's Not thing. a kid's okay. thing. It's an... It's a kid's thing. For the people that are over 12 um, listening to this podcast, that means when you're playing a video game and you pay money to get virtual players. I have a mate and me and him do we texting like when we update our team. Like, what do you think of that now? He's like, that's good. When did you pack him, man? Like, uh, got him the other day in a SBC. What's an SBC? It's like... Um, you got R9 in an SBC. This game just doesn't use words. It just uses letters, does it? Okay, go on, an what's an SBC? is like uh, when you can swap your old players or any players you have, say like a team that's like 88 rated would get you like an 85 x 10 pack, like 10 85 plus players for like a squad of 11, but like it has to be a certain rating, like so it could be 88 or 87 or 92, do you know that way? Can no, you just pay for a player? Can ah. you just say, I want Brazilian Ronaldo, here's have you got 20 six, euro? 6 million coins. How much is 6 million coins in, in real money? Have you got there's, no, there's, no compa- there's no comparison, really. There's no co- can you not pay for coins? You can, but it's illegal. Is it? It's illegal. You get your account banned if you're caught. So how do you get coins? By buying packs and then you can sell players. Okay, so how much is a pack? Um, Depends. You, you buy FIFA points and... <laughs> okay, uh, so hang on, for fuck's sake. Oh, we, get the, we get the gist. We oh, don't get the gist. You have to buy packs to get players to sell for points. You can buy like 1,000 points. 1,500, 2,000 points. When you buy the game... Or you can buy 8,000 points and it's like 100 quid. But when you buy the game... I've never done that before. Can you just play with all the players straight away? When you first buy the game? Yeah. When you start up Ultimate Team, you get like a, a standard pack, a couple of packs like, and uh, they're usually all like silver and bronze players and a, a couple of gold players. So gold players is obviously like, there's common gold players who would be fucking... James McLean would be like a common gold player. He's silver. Them. Probably silver, I'm probably wrong there. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's like kind of shiny gold players then. A bit like fucking old days of collecting Premier League stickers, the stickers just on yeah. your telly. This is sounding more grown up by the second. <laughs> Man, I fucking. I'm flat. Uh, I'm flat on it. Like. What is this? FIFA 22? Any window I get, I'm, I'm on it. Are I, you? I'm going to start streaming next year. Nobody will watch that shit. Everyone would watch me packing R9. I would not give it. You're not guaranteed to pack R9, though. True, true. You're like packing James McLean and shit. True, true that. Do people watch other people? Yeah. What? They're I wouldn't even like watching myself doing that. 
look at Limmy. He streams games like Flash games and stuff like that. And yeah, he's, he's not people opening fucking packets. Yeah, of virgin- there's a big market for that shit. Like you know your man Speed. Yeah, he's made his career off that. He loves Cristiano he, Ronaldo. He, he made his fella. career. Yeah, he made his career from playing FIFA. Like he made his career from saying I love Ronaldo, not from playing FIFA. He did. That's where that all came from. Your man him. over there made his career saying I love Ronaldo. That's true. I don't think so. Sue. <laughs> could I stream Rocket League? You could absolutely stream Rocket League. We and people would watch. And you and bring your watch personality that. to it. Stream Rocket League, and people will. Come when watch I you. now, I'm, you're not guaranteed to even be a hit on it. But like, there's people out there that get like thousands of viewers on a stream, and they all just tip them and have partnerships with Twitch, and they're making like thousands a month like uh, how many people would have to be watching your stream for you to be earning thousands a month I'm like who's the sure. most I'm famous sure. twitch twitcher twitch twitch person one for google is it yeah oh and who's the most popular twitch google who's the most popular twitcher live streamer is it's probably a man speed is it ninja never heard of him 18 million followers 18 million on twitch mm-hmm. on twitch so type it in his net worth hoping it's just based off twitch which it probably is if that's what his gig is. Just he has 18 million followers. Yeah. Eh? There's a figure here from celebritynetworth.com from May of this year. It says 40 million dollars. I mean, is however that, much yeah. stock we want to put in that. Then there's another one there that says it's between 15 and 40 million. He's doing very well for himself. He's doing very well for himself. Like if you type in biggest earner on Twitch, what about Ireland? Could you type in biggest Irish Twitch streamer? Is your man Jacksepticeye? Is he? YouTube, is he? I think. Oh, I don't know. I think he streams games. Yeah. Like that's what his whole gig is—is is gaming. But when I see them people, it's just kind of I see them on YouTube and they're. You can streaming. stream on YouTube as well, though, can't yeah. you? The same thing as Twitch. So some people just like stream on Twitch and grab a highlight reel and post it to YouTube. Then, like, so it's more looking into it, isn't it? Man, I show speed, yeah, yeah. Like when he opens packs, he'd be doing that on Twitch, I think, and then he gets a highlight reel, and then that on YouTube that gets millions of views. But that's because his reactions are funny, isn't it? Exactly. He jumps so up and down, personality, and, yeah. Like, if Owen just, like, randomly started streaming Twitch, like, that's not going to work, do you get me? What are you saying about Owen? Yeah. Well, you could, but it's not your, your thing, like, so you're not going to put that much effort into it, are you, really? Yeah, you know, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. The fucking neck. Some neck. Some neck. How dare sorry you? about that. How dare you? <laughs> oh, sorry, Luke. All day, man. All day. Popping off. Popping shots left, right, centre. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> now my personality is not compatible with being a streamer. It could all you be said. No, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure <laughs> it is. That, like, if you went to the pub with spades and you start jumping around like he does in his videos, barking at people, and sh- ah, you'd be like, "Hey, sit the fuck down before you get a slap, mate!" Bleeding, shouting in me face. Sit down there now. I know you have twenty million, but sit down and give us a lend. <laughs> give us a few quid now, or shut your face. I do both, mate. Love you. <laughs> Best mate. I was talking to Al Foran. I was on Al Foran and Damien's United podcast there and uh, Al Foran was saying I'm a shoe in to stream FIFA. You are? He said I should definitely do it. Like, well, Does he watch streams as well? Do you watch streams? No. No. But then you don't listen to podcasts either. No. <laughs> they say do what you know. You do the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> do what you don't. Do what you don't know. Alright. Fair enough. That's what I'll do then. Yeah well you should. Why not? Why not? It's the setup though. I've no room to have a fucking streaming set up like it's sitting room it's a total tank is just like taking up like half the room it's massive sure Limmy's set up Limmy's set up as a corner of his bedroom like yeah there's no room in the bedroom the kitchen the audio will be shy yeah 
Joe, you're not a gamer besides Rocket League. Besides, is there any other daily activity you think you could stream people will be interested in watching you do and commentate on as you do it? I think scrolling through the internet. <laughs> like, a, <laughs> like that's what, I, I, I was going to say that. cycling. I'd watch that. Would you watch well, last cycling? week you ended up on the motorway by mistake and that is knocked true. over by a bus with Darren's face on the side of it. So if I felt like if I tuned into your Twitch stream and you'd be getting yourself into jams like that yeah I'd make a point to showing up I was he wasn't aware of the stream though and it was just like the Truman show well we were only talking about do you know what I watch live stream guards are going to be starting to wear body cams at oh, the yeah. middle of next year if you could live stream a guard two years I think 25 fact check boom <laughs> boom if you could live stream a guard's body cam that would be box office I said to him yesterday I would watch that all day every day all day while we're recording a podcast, I'd have it there on the side, just like checking in on it. I was like that with the Eructus TV yesterday. I was on for four hours and I watched every second of it. Why? I couldn't turn away. How many bags of crips did you go through? Fourteen. <laughs> Fourteen and a, and a family-sized dirty milk. So I said to me, you'd go through a bag of crips before you even get to a film. You'd just scroll and looking for a film, the crisps are gone. Big yeah. bag. Yeah. I do. Do you know what? When I go to the cinema, I get nachos and jalapenos, and then I eat them when I'm watching the trailers. And then when the film starts, I actually have nothing left. I've eaten them all. Yeah, sitting there like a big Egypt, big dope, starving. My stomach going. I'm afraid to eat nachos when you're watching a film. Now when I go silent and you just hear the crunch. Yeah, I'm terrified of that. You need the time to yeah. crunch, right? No, you're right. You shouldn't yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah pick your moments. As he said, if the time to crunch. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Bollocks. <laughs> it's like here's a car crash. <laughs> like I love when, <laughs> love when there's a big car. Like if it's a Michael Bay film, you laugh. Yeah. <laughs> you like that. Yeah. I be like that. <laughs> 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 but I often wonder when you're eating a nacho, it's very loud in your head. Yeah. But is it, can anyone else? Well, you were eating crisps there before we start recording. It was really loud. Was it? Yeah. I'm very skinny skin. That was like. <laughs> And it was like entering me brain. Yeah. And it was just like going in slow motion. And I was like that. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's grand. <laughs> I'm grand now. I'm grand. <laughs> I was shaky there for a while, but I'm all right now. I'm doing okay now. I used to be a broken record, but I'm all right now. Here we go. I'm all right now. Here we fucking go. I'm all right now. I'm all right now. <laughs> it was just a lot of... A lot of a load of pants and wants. A load of pants and wants. Mora's ma's over from America and there was friends of hers as well that came over from America and I went up to meet them and just say how he is and stuff like that and the Americans were like oh I'd love to go to an Irish pub and they were never in Ireland before and I was like I never realised how, how harsh our accents are until you speak to an American and they're like sorry what did you say? And it, like Mm. How we pronounce our THs as t, t and they're like the the and you're like there tits tits. I brought him down. He wanted to have a pint of Guinness, so I brought him down to Fagan's Pub on Drumcondra, which is considered a pretty nice fucking pub. Yeah, yeah, plenty of cream. It was absolute <laughs> creamer, man. <laughs> and it's a nice pub. Yeah. Bertie Ahern drinks low on it in there, isn't there? If it's good enough for Bertie Ahern, it's good enough for most people. And he it's good for Bertie it's good for us there you go and it's a nice pub lovely pub on the outside lovely pub on the inside and then I went in and he was like oh my god this is 
incredible. So people actually drink here. I'm like, this is actually really nice. And he's like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, it's nice. I'm like, is it not what you're expected? And he's like, no, it's exactly what I expected. That's the problem. Like, He genuinely thought it was a shit pub. And there was people there, very respectable gentlemen in suits, and they had golf clubs with them. So they obviously just came from a golfing function or something. And they're like, you wouldn't want to end up like those guys. And I'm like, they're fucking doing all right for themselves. Like they're fucking... This is nice, man. You're not getting this. I brought you to a nice fucking pub. And he just couldn't... He couldn't understand Should have that. brought him to the Cardiff Inn in Finglas. I think he would have just dropped dead <laughs> on the spot. <laughs> well, what? We go to Cardiff. He probably would have loved that. This is my, this is my thing. <laughs> this is more my style. Because they don't have pubs in America. They have a few. They don't have pubs. <laughs> Not one. There's even a law in some states where 50% of your sales have to come from food. Is it? You can't just sell beer and wine and spirits. You can't. Yeah. It's illegal in some states. Whereas we're just like, yep, open that building there and yeah. just sell me alcohol, please. <laughs> and if, it, if that doesn't suit you, there's a, a thing called an off license next door. Yeah, just get cans. Drink it on the opens canal. At, opens at 12, is it now? 10? 12? Might be 11. Is it 11 till half 10? It still depends on the day of the week, doesn't it? Does it? Half yeah. 10 or 11 weekday. I was 12 o'clock Sunday. I was in the shops a while back and I think it was like, it was definitely just before they opened the off-license part in the supermarket and um, I didn't know, I wasn't aware of the time and I went in and I got a small little bottle of red wine, you know, just for a... Uh, with a spaghetti bolognese, you know. That's how I cook it, because I'm all like Michelin and shit. Very fancy, yeah. And then um, the fella that works there came over and said, no, no, it's not that. Put that back, like, you can't, it's it's not like whatever time, 11, it's not 11, like, it was like five to, and I had to like wait outside the off license section and just like, just getting a little bottle of Chardonnay there, mate. <laughs> no biggie. <laughs> Maura was in a shop and she went in before the off license was opened and she got a non-alcoholic wine it was yeah, for a yeah. party that we were allowed to, obviously. No, no. They wouldn't even serve the non-alcoholic one. Just because like it came from the off-license area and you're not even allowed into the area, but like it was just open. She went in and got it. So I guess aunt, that's kind of caged off in the, the off-license no, area. No. You're just not allowed to get it. But that's where the fucking peanuts are. I know, what the fuck? I just want a bag of peanuts. No, you can't because it's surrounded by drink and it's 5 to 11. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, non-alcoholic wine is literally just grape juice. Yeah. In one of the episodes, I can't even remember which episode, it was the last one. Well, we were talking about a, a ghost bus tour. Yeah. And I got mixed up with a ghost bus tour that I done. Tour. And the Grave Diggers tour. The Grave Diggers tour is what I done. Okay. And I said it was the ghost bus tour. And I said it was shy. Because the Grave Diggers one, I, I didn't say it was shy. It was like, meh, it was kind of meh, you know. But the ghost bus tour, I haven't been on. And they, they messaged me and they, they asked me to clarify that. So I would like to clarify that. And then they offered us. DFM Joe. A little, <laughs> <laughs> the offer is a little, a little trip. So I think we should, and it's coming close to Halloween. I reckon we should take yeah. a little trip on the ghost bus tour and see what it's like. I'd be up for that. I'd go to that. Um, would you? Yeah, hundred percent. I love ghosts. Would you not be like, I'm scared? Ah, I'd be like, oh, quick, get us a blankie. Ah, dark <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Are they not happy? The Ghostbusters tour. We didn't say that they went to Grave Diggers, but they wanted us to clarify that they don't. Yeah, so okay. just to clarify right. it. I think we were okay. Joe, Joe was pretty accurate in his description. I think you might confuse matters. I haven't been to neither tour, so I can afford to be confused on that. <laughs> because I haven't experienced... <laughs> I can afford to be confused. Well, it's a fair point. It is a fair, fair point. Anyway, sorry Ghostbus. Sorry Ghostbus. Sorry Ghostbus. I hope you forgive me. Splitting atoms. 
It's so fucking tiny. How do you split an atom? So tiny. So tiny. You got um, hypnotised. Yeah. In Salou, yeah? That's right, yeah. Yeah. There's like a show. There's a hypnotist show in Salou. It's a big venue and they just do it every night and there's loads of people in it. But I was in a pub and the fella that usually does that show was doing a show in this small little shitty pub. And it was... I, I was never hypnotised before. And I sat down... And he done this, he done like this preparation, getting ready, you know what I mean? Maybe you'll feel drowsy, maybe you'll feel like you're not hypnotized, maybe you'll feel this, that, and the other, you know? And then all of a sudden he comes over and he bangs you on the head and, and you lie down. And I didn't want to ruin his show because we were about 10 minutes into it. So I just says, I, I'll just go along with it, like, you know what I mean? I'll just, I'll play along just to fucking keep the show. I was not hypnotized, but I was just kind of going along oh, with it because I felt bad for him. I felt bad for the fucker, so I'm just like going along with it. And I've seen people being hypnotized and I've seen people doing the things that he had me doing. And I'm like looking at people laughing and saying, oh, and I'm like, you're fucking idiots. In my head, I'm thinking, you're fucking stupid if you think that. So was everyone else as well that was hypnotized just playing up to it? Well, a couple of the people, I, I was chatting to a couple of the people later, like a couple of days later. I was saying, oh, you were up on stage as well. like, And they were genuinely hypnotized. And I was like, what? Like, you're really doing that shit. No, you weren't. My mom was hypnotised. Does she remember it? Did she they fake give it? give up the smokes. Did it work? No. She fucking went heavier on them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the hypnotist didn't do a great job then. <laughs> <laughs> you love the smokes. Completely misread the brief. <laughs> Sorry about that. You, you love the smokes now. <laughs> you're mad for the smokes. You're mad for the major. <laughs> I don't smoke major though. Super king of smoke. Yeah, well, you like major. <laughs> But I don't know. I, I don't know if I believe in him. Like I don't think anyone was hypnotized on that stage and genuinely believed. That he, I'm always he, fascinated by Keith Barry and what he does. Yeah. Well, he's just and magic, is he? Well, he hypnotizes you. Yeah. Does he hypnotize yeah, people? Yeah. Doesn't he? Alan? Yeah. And oh, that's, that looks crazy. Like to see that at the Talking Bollocks live show, he did a trick with Terence. I was one. I was like, write down the word or think, no, think of a word or whatever it was, and then he would write it down, and. Um, he fully had it sold that I was gone. He's he has come up against his match here with Terence Power. He's not able to crack inside this strange head. <laughs> and the word Terence had picked was cunt. And Keith Barry had it. Yeah, well, it was very I probably could have guessed. That. No, no, it was. Uh, I probably would have guessed bollocks. <laughs> yeah, no, it was very, it was very impressive. He had the whole national stadium up on their feet cheering like it was that good. Fascinating. Like. But he does, he does that entertainment stuff. But he also does like. Um, yeah, hypnosis for sleeping, quitting, smoking or drinking. Does he? He does all that. Like one-to-one -one shit? Yeah, like hacking their own brain. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to give him a show. I done a thing. It was like D not DMT. <laughs> EMT or EBT, B, 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 MTV. I was watching MTV. Yeah. I can't remember what it was called, but basically like you think of a traumatic moment in your life and then you follow his finger and it, it goes left to right real quick and it's supposed to erase your memory. But it was the same shit again. He was like, now how do you feel about it? Do you feel like the memory's a little bit duller, a little bit greyer, like it's disappearing, let's do it again. And then you do it again and you do that left to right, left to right, left to right, real quick with your eyes. And it's supposed to work on your 
your brain and it takes the traumatic memories out of a certain part of your brain, brings it into your frontal cortex or whatever, and then wipes you, wipes it from your brain. But it just wasn't working for me, and I felt bad because he was trying so hard. And I was like, "Yeah, no, it's gone now. It's gone now. I'm not, I'm all right now. Thank you." And it's literally supposed to work within five minutes, ten minutes, like just going like that, left left to right with your finger. Maybe you just can't respond to hypnosis. You're unreachable. Maybe it's just all a load of bollocks. Like maybe you're all in on it. Everyone that's yeah, hypnotised, like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, have you ever been hypnotised or anything like that? No, I haven't. No, but I'd like to keep Barry to hypnotise me. Just a bit of entertainment then. That's that's what I say, it, and it is entertainment. Mm. Entertainment, entertainment for the gullible, which is me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. You were talking to somebody that said that they seen me getting hypnotised. Yeah, he was probably hypnotised as well, was he? No. No, he was just sitting no. down having a having a drink and watching the show and he said that you were getting hypnotised about thinking you need to go to the toilet and then like you didn't need to go to the toilet. Yeah, so, so. we were saying like, oh, you're going to run up the pub because you really need to go to the toilet and then when you get halfway there, you'll feel like you don't need to go anymore so then you'll have to come back and I'm like, holy so is jays, is I'm going to have to fucking do it. just praying that you go along with it? Yeah. That's the gig. Yeah, and if you don't go along with it, some people weren't going along he with know, it. He knows how to... They yeah, it like so. Yeah, you know, they say it then, like. they say you think that you're not hypnotized, and then he puts you to sleep again, and it's easy to go along with that because you're just yeah. like, all right, okay, whatever, mate. You know, you think you're not hypnotized, go asleep again, and then uh, and then he'll bring you back, and then he'll put you back to your seat. So do you feel like it's a majority of people would go along with it, or less? it's? I think it's mob mentality. The more people that you have up on that stage, the more likely they're not gonna want to fuck up the show. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, because you fuck it up for everyone. Then yeah, I never looked at it like that. I just thought everyone was just hypnotized. <laughs> some people said that they were Fully some people said they were like is it possible though that some people can hypnotise people but if someone is maybe good enough to hypnotise people they're not working the pub circuit in Salou well this is the thing as well you know what I mean may, may, I don't know I don't know I feel like he's been doing it a very long time and he should be exper- he actually had a son with him as well and his son came out and done like one little trick with me he made me do something or say something. Oh yeah, oh, you, you, you lost the ability to speak. So when I ask you a question, you're just going to talk gibberish. And he's like, how are you doing today? And I was like, blah, blah, blah. And everyone was like, oh, the old was fucking real. And I'm like, he's absolute dopes. <laughs> For real, like. Oh, come here. Speaking of hypnosis, do you remember, well, you do remember we spoke about the Unabomber. And in the story of the Unabomber, uh, the Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski, there's a fairly critical part in that story where he goes to... Harvard and he takes part in a study where basically he is one of the subjects and the subjects are shouted at and abused for a few hours a week every week for years remember that bit? Mm. Yeah, yeah yeah. and there's you know justifiable speculation that this might have had some impact on what he would do later in life and at the time that I was we did that episode and I was telling you about that bit I think it was you Darren you asked me if that had something to do with MK Ultra. Yeah because I briefly read about MK Ultra. Yeah so I don't think it did, but you did ask me after that, like if we could look into MK Ultra because you'd heard about it, but you didn't really know much about it. Yeah. So I've gone away and I've done that for you. It's one of them episodes. Ooh. The ones you all love. <laughs> now I'm absolutely green when it comes to MK Ultra. This just sounds like <laughs> you're like in an infomercial. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like an aftershave. Yeah. I thought MK like, Ultra. Yeah, it sounds like a Edu Toilet. <laughs> sounds like an Italian. Football hooligan group. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The MK Ultras. Fuck, it's the MK Ultras run. They're going to take over our brains. <laughs> so what is it? What is it? I mean, a The name's sim- not really going to fly under the radar, is it? Like for what was a pretty fucking sinister operation. 
So will I give you the overview of MKUltra? In a nutshell. In a nutshell. It was a CIA program. They ran it for a couple of decades and using drugs and strange tactics like hypnosis and other things. LSD. LSD is a big yeah. part of this. Yeah. Is it? Yep. And they were experimenting on people also who had no idea they were being experimented on. Basically, the idea was to figure out if they could control people's minds and do whatever they wanted with those people and their minds once they had figured out how to control them. So there you go, folks. That's it, That's pretty MK much. Ultra. That's okay. it. Yeah. That was a great All episode. It's a Go Loud original podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's, it's broader than that. But wait, there's more. <laughs> there's more. <laughs> so it starts roughly after World War II. There is this panic in the US. Some people argue that this panic is a bit manufactured, but the panic publicly is that oh no, the Soviets have figured out mind control. Oh, sh- so What gave them this assumption? <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the Korean War, which was late 40s, early 50s, American soldiers came home seemingly brainwashed. They were saying that uh, the American Air Force dropped these chemicals on Korea that would have constituted, I think, war crimes. And they were saying, our military did these terrible things and they came back in the CIA. And, well, the CIA wouldn't publicly be saying it, but the American military were saying these men have been brainwashed by their captors now might not shock you to learn that decades later evidence turned up that suggested the Americans probably had been bombing with things they shouldn't have been bombing with so these lads might have been telling the truth but there was this fear as the Cold War began they worried that the Soviets Chinese everyone else would figure out how to control the human mind and they'd be left behind there is also speculation that they weren't really worried about this and they kind of created this fear so they would just use that as a, an excuse, like the just a, a pretext, a diversion, like just yeah, to, yeah, because there were people within the CIA who were quite interested in this kind of thing. Anyway, mm. this was the first time in 1952 when they said the soldiers come back from Korea were brainwashed. Who said this? The military, the US military, was saying yeah. that Biden. That the US military was saying that the US militants were coming back brainwashed. The US soldiers were coming back brainwashed. Yeah, was this was not the f- at the same time when they were like using LSD on soldiers. No, that was later on. Later on? Not much they later on. They hadn't even discovered LSD Had yet. they not? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Another thing I learned on this Stala podcast. Yeah. Mm. yeah. The word brainwashed was never used in the English language, supposedly, before this. It's a literal translation of a Chinese phrase. It didn't appear in English at all before 1950. Huh. Yeah. So, important fella here is Alan Dulles. He was, at the time, not... The head of the CIA, but Dulles. Dulles. He would rise up to become very powerful in the CIA. I mean, if we're to believe the top level on this from the the history books from the American side, that they were genuinely concerned that this would have been a defensive effort that as in, if the Russians are going to figure out how to control brains, we better figure it out too, or else we'll be very vulnerable. Yeah, yeah, we better figure it out quick. But very quickly it went from being defensive as in, let's figure out how to stop it happening and protect our people to being an offensive one, as in, let's figure out how to do it to other people. So there are a few other programs. There's Operation Artichoke and Bluebird, and they're all kind of aimed at the same stuff, like how to interrogate people using different substances or maybe use hypnosis or whatever. And it kind of ramps up until MK Ultra itself, which is the next step in 1953. It is probably, at the time, and even arguably still, because we don't know anywhere near everything that happened, one of the most secretive operations ever run by the CIA. MK Ultra is? Yeah. Mm. Well, that we know of. That we know of, that's true. Yeah. But, uh, and we only really know of it by accident, really. They tried very hard to hide it. This is kind of like just another version of, say, the space race and all this stuff that's going on during the Cold War. 
if they're what doing it, space like if they're if the Russians are going to get to the moon, we better get to the moon. Oh, right, right. If the Russians are going to figure out how to control our brains, we better figure out how to control their brains. So I'm mad about the Russians, right? Yeah. It's always like America wanting to like get there ahead of pretty the opposition much kind of thing. Like, now case. that's kind of the the noble justification that we're only doing it because they started it first, you know. But could um, be seen as an excuse, like just a lot of Nazi and Japanese military doctors were employed by the US after World War II. And a lot of stuff that MKUltra would look at was basically a continuation of what the Nazi doctors in particular have been doing in the mad, concentration it? camps. It's mad, isn't it? Yeah, like in MKUltra, one of the things they used was mescaline on um, their subjects. Lovely. The first time that was done on people who didn't know it was being done to them, it was by the Nazi doctors in Auschwitz and Dachau. So they're just, they're very much continuing what was done by them. There was also, there's all sorts of mad stuff they tried. Like they tried to embed hidden messages in people's brains, implant false memories was one of the aims. Um, they had they this must have thing. Done that to you, Darren. I was there. They told me all about this teddy bear uh, handing out sweets and canises and fingless and I fucking believed it. Uh, we beat them, though. We beat them. All the stuff the Nazis had done was experiments on poisonous gases like sarin gas. What gas? Sarin gas. I thought you said Darren gas. S-A-R-I-N. At the American military base, Fort Detrick, there was Nazi doctors who gave lectures on how long it would take someone to die from sarin gas and they could tell you the difference between how long it would take a baby or a middle-aged man to die. And there's only one way you could know how long that would take is if you had done it some. If you want to give yourself nightmares, and I'm not even going to go into details, look up the Nazi medical experiments. Horrendous stuff. Yeah. Like the most horrific stuff done to people. I'll give you one example. The Nazis obviously were in the middle of a war and in the middle of a war your soldiers get injured on the battlefield. Sometimes they might lose a leg and it would be very beneficial if you could figure out if you could maybe put another limb or just fix that or replace it or whatever in the heat of battle. That would be amazing, yeah. Mm. yeah. So how do you test if you can do that? By cutting people's legs off and yeah. trying to put it back. While they're alive. Ah, stop. With no painkillers to see if they can survive. Why no painkillers? A little paracetamol. Because your soldier isn't going to have painkillers. That's horrific, isn't it? If you want to see if your soldier can survive at high altitudes or sub-zero temperatures, all these things. like them, And it gets worse. Much, much worse. Huge amount of the Nazi doctors were then um, charged, obviously, with conducting experiments on people without their consent. And that was... Obviously, with the Americans fully behind charging those doctors. Okay, I was going to say, charged by who? The other Nazis? Nuremberg trials and so on. Yeah. Trials of the war criminals. Right. And um, But MKUltra was the exact same thing. Very few, I think, probably nobody, but as far as we know, very few, if any, people who were test subjects in MKUltra had any idea what was being done to them. Just taken off the street. Key man here is a fellow called Sidney Gottlieb. So he was the CIA's chief chemist. His job was basically to understand poisons and how to deliver those poisons. He also, he was a bit of a, you know Q and James Bond? Yeah. No. Come up with the gadgets. Yes. And he did that sort of stuff too, but he also knew all there was to know about poisons. And like he'd come up with plans. They had one plan to, this is a bit later on, once they'd figured out what LSD was, but they wanted to get an aerosol that could leak LSD into a TV studio in Cuba while Fidel Castro was doing an interview. That's a bit of crack, isn't it? In the hope that it <laughs> That's would... That's a bit of crack. Imagine watching that. Everyone just tripping balls all of a sudden. <laughs> well, that was the hope that Castro would start tripping balls. Yeah. On live TV to the Cuban people and make a fool of himself. And then they'd all go, jeez, oh, fuck the revolution if this is the fella behind it. Like, <laughs> He's there of his banana. Yeah. Jesus. On a, on a magic carpet. And did they figure out how to do it? 
They never pulled that one off. No, no. that was yeah. As far as we know. Ooh. <laughs> a lot of this stuff is as far as we know. They could have laced some of his cigars. Oh, he's puffing the cigars. He could have laced a little cigar with some LSD. There's some mad stuff this fella Sidney Gottlieb did come up with. I, I have it at the end of my notes here. I'll get to it at the end. But like stuff, if it was in a Bond film, you'd say it was too nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so anyway, the other projects, Project Bluebird and others, they're already well underway when Sidney Gottlieb gets hired. So he'd like worked in civilian or non-military stuff about poisons and all this. And then started the Cold War and Alan Dulles and other people at the... CIA are saying poisons, mind control, all this stuff, chemicals. How can chemicals control the brain? We need to know about that. So Sidney Gottlieb is the man they want on their side at that time. So bring him on board and starts working with Alan Dulles. And then Alan Dulles gets promoted to the deputy director of the CIA. And at this stage, this fella, Sidney Gottlieb, his chemist, he's his man and he's the deputy director of the CIA. So he goes, right, you basically, now you have a blank check. I'm going to protect Which you. Which of these have been with the Nazis? Beforehand. None of oh, these have. None. No, no. Okay. None of the Nazi doctors come up in this, but it's just that they were building on experiments the Nazis had I'd, done. Okay. But how did they know about what to do? Like to try it out themselves? Like they had to have some information from when the Nazis were doing it. Like, yeah, they would have looked at what the Nazis had studied and that would have probably given them inspiration. And okay. the do Nazis used mescaline, was one substance, one drug that the Nazis had used on prisoners in the concentration camps. So that was one thing mm. that presumably they took inspiration from and said, can you use other drugs? Like they tried heroin, they tried cannabis, they tried loads of stuff, mescaline, and the Nazis were the first ones, as far as I'm aware, to start doing that kind of thing. So at this point, Sidney Gottlieb's basically, he's told, you can work away in the corner there, in the dark, and you're going to be protected. Nobody's coming asking too many questions. Do whatever you want, which he took full advantage of. Over the next couple of decades. Went fucking mad. Yeah. This Gottlieb fella. Yeah, Sidney okay. Gottlieb, who has been called America's Poisoner-in-Chief. That's what one journalist, a fella nice. called Stephen Kinzer, wrote a book about him called America's Poisoner-in-Chief. Seems pretty apt. So, like I was saying, they use loads of drugs, like hypnosis as well, lots of different stuff. But the big one was LSD. Mushrooms was another one. Different fish and animal parts. Trying everything. Fucking everything and anything. Like. Everything. They give it to people and see what effect it has on them. Give them a fresh cod there. Go <laughs> off the head so we fucking control them. <laughs> Tell them to do what we want. Send them after JFK. Bit of scampy. <laughs> In 1943, a fellow called Dr. Albert Hoffman at a lab in Basel in Switzerland invents LSD. Invents LSD. Invents LSD, yeah. Oh, man. The CIA become aware of this new drug with uh, supposedly major mind-altering properties. Sidney Gottlieb tries LSD. He's now aware of LSD. And for $240,000, he buys the entire world's supply of LSD and gets it shipped to America. Oh my what? God. Bargain. <laughs> of the century. <laughs> Jesus Christ, all of it. <laughs> yep. I'll have all the LSD, please. Yeah. Give us all that action. Like Gilligan with the hash. <laughs> Give me all that hash. Gottlieb gets his delivery of LSD and he starts shipping it all over America to universities, to hospitals, to prisons because this is how he would operate quietly and undetected. They would set up front foundations and organisations that they would fund and these foundations and organisations would hire doctors to conduct experiments. And then, very quietly, those results will be fed back to Gottlieb and the CIA. So, a lot of the doctors did not know they were working for the CIA, even though they were. 
they weren't aware they were working for the CIA. As far as we know, a lot of them didn't know that this is ultimately who was paying for all these experiments, yeah. And that's how it leaked though as well, isn't it? That's how LSD got out into the public domain, like people became aware of it because then students started taking it and that's how everyone started taking And people started recreating it. The Beatles started taking it. Yeah. yeah. You ever heard of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Absolutely. Okay. That was written, the original novel was written by Ken Kesey. He was given his first bit of uh, LSD at a hospital. I think he volunteered for a test. Unaware as a CIA operation. Got some LSD. Thought it was great. Liked it so much he got a job at the hospital just so he could steal LSD. What? <laughs> and then he went off. Other people who were introduced to LSD by the CIA. Allen Ginsberg, one of the beat poets. Robert Hunter, the guitarist for The Grateful Dead. Lots of people who went on to create some very famous art were, introduced, <laughs> yeah. were given their LSD by the CIA. We wow. should take some. <laughs> wow. Imagine the podcast we make if we were on that. That'd be fun. Yeah. So the CIA, in many ways, fueled a big part of the counterculture revolution of the 60s which they would then go on to try and destroy. Then there's, there's an operation linked, part of MKUltra. It's called Operation Midnight Climax. So the CIA set That's up... sexy. Sounds like a Mission Impossible movie. Gets a bit sexy. Sounds like a porno. <laughs> What's the name of it again? Operation Climax. Midnight Climax. Midnight Climax. Ooh. Blue movie. It involves several brothels. Oh yes, there we go. There we go. It had it all over. Yeah. Written all over. So the CIA set up their own brothels around San Francisco. And they what? would Yep. They would have men come along and be unwittingly dosed by the sex workers with their value for money though. <laughs> Serious whack. <laughs> and they do the deed and have their dose and they'd be off their chops and they do that did have that dose and they'd be off that job. <laughs> that's the best that sentence I've ever heard. And then getting a hand shandy. <laughs> <laughs> and then there'll be uh, CIA agents behind a one-way mirror. <laughs> oh, like dirty bastards. Yeah. Amy checks all the mirrors in the hotel rooms. I told you. <laughs> right. She's dead right. Because she knows all about fucking MK Ultra. That's how I heard about it first. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, and they... Uh, yeah, they'd, they'd watch and take notes and see how quickly these men would divulge their secrets. So I'm pretty sure they went out and they targeted particular people and said, this fella has a job with sensitive information. Let's see if we can bring him back and LSD will help him open up. But the people, like the agents behind the mirrors, in a lot of cases, there was one fella. I said he were licking the mirrors. <laughs> would just all be able to step out there for a minute? I uh, have to take this one on my own. <laughs> there was a fella called um, a CIA consultant. George Hunter White, who was one of the main guys doing this, he had absolutely no training in psychiatry or any of that sort of stuff. He wasn't a doctor or any of that stuff. He was actually apparently a real nasty piece of work. What was his name? George Hunter White. He destroyed the career of Billie Holiday. Oh, huh? Thought she was too up herself. That's a separate thing to this. But George Hunter White used to just sit there and watch them. And he'd, he'd drink martinis. I'm not making that up. He'd drink martinis and watch them through the one-way mirror. And he Water had no training. And this is one of the things that like is indicative of how MKUltra was just the Wild West because nobody was checking their notes or their work. How did he... What, who is he? Yeah, what's his background? I want to do a deep dive on this fucking weirdo drinking martini. George Hunt... There's uh, <laughs> another whole side plot there with this fella. He he just Sydney got leave. Hired him. Just a random said, yeah, George, chap. you take over Operation Midnight Climax for us. <laughs> Why did <laughs> they give them a, these names? He doesn't Midnight have a fucking clue. Like, just, oh yeah, just sitting there and watch... Watch this and enjoy yourself. Like have a few fucking smokes, and like that martinis. Tic- that TikTok trend. Call it midnight climax. No one will ever know. <laughs> no one will ever know. Yeah. Yes, they will. 
other stuff they do is they'd give people a dose and people would be having a very bad trip and they'd have them under very bright lights and interrogating them. And the doctors, you can imagine, like they put like shadowy figures over you going, start telling us what we want to know or we're going to give you more of this thing that's about to make your mind explode. <laughs> like, not nice stuff. Um, but LSD? Yeah. <laughs> I think... <laughs> Very much in the right circumstances. <laughs> I suppose if you're having a bad yeah, trip. Yeah, like, a brothel. Yeah. If you're having a bad trip and someone said, I'm giving you fucking more of that, you're going to freak. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, that would be terrifying. Uh, they'd bribe heroin addicts to take LSD so they could study them. They'd say, if you take this LSD, we'll give you more heroin. And didn't give them heroin? I don't know. If they, I don't. Hopefully they were sort of sound. That's like where you're like, and the bastards never get them heroin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but like, you're going to have to keep your promise. <laughs> <laughs> you have to keep your promise. Don't break a promise. Like, like these are men of integrity. <laughs> They're just pinky and on it. They're like, I'll give you heroin. Yeah, yeah, no, we have loads of heroin, man. We'll give you heroin there. Pinky just, promise. <laughs> just take the smiley face tab. <laughs> Most of this stuff, what well, I think was done in San Francisco, but there's some of these like brothels and safe houses and that were also in New York. Uh, here's a quote from your man, George White. He wrote this to Sidney Gottlieb in 1971. So long after they've been doing these one-way mirror LSD traps. Bastard. He wrote to Sidney Gottlieb, Of course, I was a very minor missionary, actually a heretic, but I toiled wholeheartedly in the vineyards because it was fun, fun, fun. Where else could a red-blooded American boy lie, kill and cheat, steal, deceive, rape and pillage with the sanction and blessing of the All-Highest? Shut the f- He said, when did- What? He wrote this to Sidney Gottlieb, like a letter to say thanks. Holy yeah. fuck. That is crazy. Dirty, sick bastard. Kill. What else did he do? It's all a little bit funny up until now. Okay. Maybe it's not funny, but like it's... I don't think that last bit was funny. <laughs> that uh, quote wasn't. I was a bit of a crack. Uh, Your man's getting the right... Well, but like, I'm curious about the next morning. I'm sorry, but I just want to go If they're in a brothel and then they get out ahead on LSD, they not wake him up the next day and say, what the fuck was that? You just wake up like Trevor in GTA on a beach. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's going on there? Did nobody ever go to the guards and say, yeah, you'd probably be too embarrassed, wouldn't you? Probably. I'll be back the next day. Does LSD like literally make you forget what happened? I'm oh. sure in some circumstances it can. Like if you took too much, would it be just a complete blackout? It wouldn't be a blackout. It'd be just like a, More just like a visual. Ma- like it just sends you to a different... Disaster. Like different world. Like it's a psychedelic, you know? Mm. So you just start tripping balls and seeing shit and experiencing reality in a different way. So a lot of the stuff so far is, you know, hippies going to these acid tests as they were called and... So they'd be going around testing people. A lot of them like didn't know they were part of a medical or military experiment. So that's where it'd be very ethically and morally wrong. But oh, I'd say there's plenty of people who had a good time. Like Ken Kesey, the author we talked about, of Moon Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, he went back and stole more. He had such a good time. Um, and Maybe a lot of the lads in the brothels had a good time. It seems like everyone had a really fucking, really fucking great time. It's a ball. They're having a laugh. Now, does it get more sinister than this? You're familiar with Whitey Bulger? Yes, he rings a bell. Psycho killer. Whitey Bulger, the leader of the Winter Hill Gang in Boston. The man who Jack Nicholson was based on in The Departed. Yes. Psycho killer. Psycho killer. The The leader of the Boston Irish mob. The Departed. The Departed. Him. Great flick. Or Johnny Depp in Black Mass, which is actually a much more darker portrayal of Whitey Bulger than Jack Nicholson's. So the man who ruled the Boston crime scene for many decades and until he died a couple of years ago, and was imprisoned but until then one of the most wanted criminals in America for a very long time supposedly hid out in Ireland no way did he yeah 
Whereabouts? We'll do another episode of Mighty Bulger's. <laughs> we're getting loads of episodes from this episode. Uh, Mighty Bulger's brother was a US congressman. Makes sense. Yeah. Whitey Bulger, while he was in prison, volunteered for an experiment to help cure his schizophrenia. He had schizophrenia? Ooh. Yep. He didn't have it in the departed. Yeah, I until I was reading this, I didn't realise he had that. But yeah, he did. They didn't reference it in the film? Nope. Okay. So the prisoners were promised reduced sentences if they took part. He also said later on he would say he thought it was a good thing to do. They might be helping society and helping people down the road to volunteer for these tests. Yeah. They weren't told that they were taken. But later on, he was tried for murder. And after that trial, he would write to a juror and explain to her that uh, he took part in the experiments. And after that, he was never the same again. He said, and this is a quote, auditory and visual hallucinations and violent nightmares still have them. Always slept with the lights on. It helps when I wake up about every hour from nightmares. This is him after these tests that he did in prison. Not being told what he was being tested with. So This is a man who would go on to kill a lot more, of people. More than LSD at this stage. I think it was LSD, but it could have been other things, possibly. Uh, yeah, he said he went on like horrific dreams and anxiety that stopped him sleeping properly. So before, this, before he'd done this, he was still a criminal, yeah? Like he was in prison. He was a criminal, yeah. All right. But I don't think he was as violent a criminal, which is one of those things people raise as a, a what if, if he hadn't been tested on. Then it kind of goes back to the Unabomber as well, kind of after what happened to him. And then yeah. he went on a mad one. Yeah, so. very same question. In another letter to this juror, he wrote, in minutes the drug would take over and about eight or nine men, Dr. Pfeiffer and several men in suits who were not doctors, would give us tests to see how we reacted. Eight convicts in a panic and paranoid state. Total loss of appetite. Hallucinating. The room would change shape. Hours of paranoia and feeling violent. We experienced horrible periods of living nightmares and even blood coming out of the walls. Guys turned to skeletons in front of me. I saw a camera change into the head of a dog. I felt like I was going insane. And he had schizophrenia to begin with. Yeah. So given a schizophrenic LSD is like fucking compounding like by multiples. That's crazy. So the doctor, he mentioned there, Dr. Pfeiffer. So he'd monitor their response and he'd also ask them questions when they were in this state. One of them, he would ask them was, would you ever kill anyone? The juror who Whitey Bulger wrote these letters to about his treatment, she has since said she would never have convicted him if she had known about the experiments at trial. Sure. She wouldn't have found him, I suppose, legally or morally responsible for the things he'd done afterwards. That's how extreme she thought they were. So he done the experiment in prison, then got out of prison done his murders and then went into prison again. Yeah, so when he was back in prison another time he wrote then these he letters wrote to a after the trial. Yeah. Okay. He only found out much, much later in life he found out that this had been a test and what had been done to him and he had vowed to murder the doctor. Didn't do it but he obviously thought it completely changed the course of his life. Wow. Whether it did or not, don't know. Altered. Yeah. So a big part of why they were using LSD and other things was that basically they figured it was a two-part process on how to control someone's mind. Step one, you get rid of the original mind. And then step two, you build a brand new mind of your own design that you can implant thoughts and memories and plans in or whatever. You know, that was the idea. In Canada, they secretly, again, ran a program at a place called the Allen Memorial Institute in Montreal. They ran it from 57 to 64. It was a, a doctor, Dr. Ewan Cameron. He was a Scottish-born psychiatrist. We still, to this day, it seems, don't know if he knew that he was being funded mm. and kind of secretly directed by the CIA. But they s- set up 
this program and got him to work on it because step one of their program is, or their basic idea is how to remove the mind. And he did a thing called psychic driving. And they thought that kind of was the ticket to destroying the mind that they were looking for. Uh, and this fella, Dr. Ewan Cameron, he wasn't some crazy. In 1961, he was the president of the World Psychiatric Association. He had been the president of the American Psychiatric Association and the Canadian Psychiatric Association. Highly regarded. So some people were sent to this Allen Memorial Institute for schizophrenia and other very serious mental health conditions. But then some people went there to seek treatment, kind of novel treatments for asthma or trigeminal neuralgia. Okay. So what's trigeminal neuralgia? It is when there is basically a nerve in your head or face firing off repeatedly. Yeah, very, very painful and torturous condition. So... Not worse than tennis. Mm. I could have fucking went there. A little bit of LSD and you'd be brand new. Maybe. From what I can gather, they sent people there where they, they couldn't figure out like traditional ways of addressing these conditions wasn't working. So they sent them there and people kind of said, yeah, I'll, I'll try this experimental treatment. Tried everything else. This stuff is horrific. What? They did a thing I called depatterning. This isn't oh, okay. LSD. It's not LSD. No. This is all a part of... This MK is all MKUltra, yeah. Different form. Under the overall umbrella of MKUltra. They'd put patients into an insulin coma, pump them so full of insulin, they drift into a coma. Then they would put a recording, say, under their pillow, and they'd play it on a loop for up to 10 days. And the recording would, on a loop, say things like, your mother hates you. So the patient would be taking this in on some level and hearing it. They'd play that for 10 days, and then you'd still be in a coma. And for the next 10 days of your coma, they'd play something nice on a loop. I mean, I don't care if it's nice or... Anything on a loop is... <laughs> yeah. Good or bad, it's bad. <laughs> yeah. Some people would have heard these loops like a half a million times. For fuck's sake. There are some patients in an induced coma. The longest I read about was 86 days. They'd inject people with LSD while they were asleep. They'd do sensory Sneaky deprivation. Bastard. Yeah. They'd do sensory deprivations. they cover your eyes, your ears, your skin. Everything. People going in there have fucking asthma. Yeah. <laughs> like, All right, mate. Yeah. You're fucking fucked now. You're here. You're going, you're going into a coma, mate. Yeah. Take this bleeding insulin. They give them very little food, very little water, oxygen. They'd pump themselves full of drugs. They'd almost be in a paralyzed state. They did this thing called Page Russell shock treatment, which is 40 to 75 times the strength of normal shock treatment. It caused massive seizures and like they were hoping to wipe out people's memories. And um, they did this for 27 days on one patient and they stopped because he kept asking for his wife. And not because they felt bad, bad man. because they went, oh, he still remembers his wife. This isn't working. We might as well give Jesus. up. Jesus. That's sad. Isn't that just... That's like fucked up. That's yeah. more Nazi shit than the fucking Nazis like. Patients came out with, like zombies. Just, I saw one interview with a woman and she was talking about how it was her dad was one of the patients. I think... She mentioned he had trigeminal neuralgia, so just a nerve condition. She said in one of the early interviews that he did with psychiatrists in the Institute, he talked about how she was the apple of his eye. And when he came home, eventually, she said he was very angry. Uh, he lost his job, all this stuff. And he started beating her very quickly after he came home. Like it was not the same man who came home to her. Unsurprisingly, Absolutely, this yeah. stuff completely changed people. And there are some who claim that this stuff in Canada... And this was a massive scandal in Canada when it came out in, I think it was the early 80s. Nobody knew about this and somehow it was uncovered. And there was a documentary done by some Canadian journalists that uncovered like a lot of what had gone on. A lot of families sued. Huge scandal, particularly because it was the CIA. Same yeah, sued how? who? The CIA? Did this come out publicly they sued then? sued the CIA. I think it's in the US government. A bit of it came out publicly. They okay. found out enough that they could sue. But there are theories that this wasn't even about trying to figure out mind control or brainwashing, which... 
as a reminder, was to fight communism. Mm. This is still fighting communism, apparently, making people hate their kids. It's so past that now, like. Well, this is the thing that nobody's watching them, and these men like just lost to run themselves completely. So the theory is that this was about like just finding new methods of torture to use in interrogations, you know? Because they were just getting away with doing that, so they were just getting enjoyment out of it in the end and gone with that. Well, yeah. they could have tested it on war criminals then. They didn't have to test it on people with asthma. Murderers <laughs> Coming and in for the sore tooth. Criminals, like rapists or something, like, do you know what I mean? Bulger. Keep doing it on Bulger. <laughs> sort him out. Bring um, him back in. Oh, that, that, that's what they get me there about the, when yeah. your man was asking for his wife. That's sad. Isn't it? Yeah. Horrific, like. That is really sad. Sorry to bring us all down. Saddest moment in Stala history. <laughs> I think so. It's, it's up there for me. I feel like shedding a little tear there. It's going to get weirder. Joe's going to get very excited with some of the stuff I have to tell you in a few minutes. <laughs> okay, good. Good. I need a lift. The next oh, one no. is also about a death and it is sad. Uh, but it's oh. also very conspiratorial. Okay. This is just as an aside. In 1953, Sidney Gottlieb invited lots of scientists who worked for the CIA to one of his retreats and he secretly dosed them with LSD. This fellow was mad for secretly dosing people. Like, so yeah. even his mates, his work colleagues, he secretly doses them. A few days later, Frank Olson is a scientist at this retreat. He finds out he's been dosed and he goes, what the fuck? That's not cool. What's that for? And your man's like, well, sorry, Frank, you've been dosed now. You're just going to have to ride the wave here. Yeah. Get on with it. Like, you know, everyone else is happy. Um, <laughs> for fuck's sake. Frank gets on with it. Uh, but apparently he wasn't happy, understandably. And he, I think, raised some concerns and... Very strangely, a few days later, he fell out the window of his hotel in New York City. Oh, that's real Russian. That's real Russian behaviour, isn't it? Yeah, so his son campaigned for years to find out what had happened. I think the CIA's claim was, oh, it was basically an aftershock, after effect of the LSD, which oh, caused him to oh, jump. No. Son didn't buy it. On Netflix, there's a series, Wormwood, which is like a docudrama by Errol Morris. I'm aware of it. I think I watched a couple of episodes of it. It's like six part series. That's all about Frank Olsen case. Oh. The Olsen family so many got a settlement of $750,000 and a personal apology from President Gerald Ford and the then CIA director William Colby. So that would have been in the 80s-ish. So, so they didn't get a full admission. They didn't have control over this. Like, government. It feels yeah. like it was just a free-for-all and they're just at it. They had no idea what was going on. Nobody knew this was happening. Mm. Like even the people conducting the experiments didn't know what was happening. Now, if you think that stuff's bad, the Americans also had sites across Europe and Asia in Japan, Germany and the Philippines. They had military bases. <laughs> if you thought nobody was watching them in America, absolutely nobody was watching them when they were outside America. So enemy agents or anyone you could consider a bad guy, similar to you know, after 9-11, all these black sites that were all across the world, whether they were in Afghanistan or those ones in Poland, they were anywhere and everywhere. And the Americans would pick someone up in Afghanistan or Iraq or anywhere and transporting these black sites and laws just didn't really apply. And probably a lot of what they learned in MK Ultra about interrogations were used. After 9-11? After 9-11, yeah. Oh, shit. Sure. If you've ever seen Zero Dark Thirty. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know the name. I've never seen it. So, yeah, that very much kind of glamorises, as, as an aside, torture as a very effective way of getting things out of people. Uh, apparently it's actually not, because anyone will just tell you anything if you're torturing them. True, um, True that. So, I, I, you wouldn't have to touch me. Just threaten me and I'll give you every, all the information. I'm a little bottler. I'd be no use to the US government. I'd be spilling all the secrets. I'd be shitting. I was like, take it. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's, all, it's all yours. I don't fuck that shit. Remember Bash the Letter? 
Joe did yeah. it. I'd be just, don't hit me here. It's C. <laughs> That's hey, my letter. Boy, I'm going in. I'm going home. See you later. This game is crap. <laughs> Sitting outside eating your sandwich, waiting to go in. I'll tell you everything right now. Yeah, what the, do you want to know? The stakes here are way bigger. <laughs> so, yeah, on these other sites, they were, you know, they test all the drugs, LSD, everything, electroshock treatment, anything ever they wanted to do. Uh, one test they ran somewhere in Europe, they'd pump someone full of sedatives to knock them into a coma. But just as they were falling into a coma, they'd pumped them full of stimulants in the hope that the shock would basically wipe out their brain. This was post 9-11 or is no, it back, back in the 50s? No, this was yeah. Okay. And your man, I mentioned earlier, the journalist Stephen Kinzer who wrote the book about Sidney Gottlieb. I've just put, after this list of all these horrendous things that were done, I've just put a little quote from him. He said, Sidney Gottlieb was certainly the most prolific torturer of his generation. Gottlieb himself was mad for a bit of LSD. Took it 200 times say so um, he's bleeding bringing yeah. people on retreats and say oh, made that India when you surround yourself in it you just have to you have to delve in it a little yeah. bit yeah so nobody nobody's keeping an eye on this so who's the main person overseeing all this Sidney Gottlieb That's well it. Alan yeah. Dulles who's the deputy director of the CIA possibly the director at this stage he had said to Sidney Gottlieb who was the CIA's chief chemist he was like you go off and do whatever you want yeah over so there. it's more like between the two of them we need to fucking like, do something about this like, but keep it on the DL yeah and like this has gone on for a long time, mm. you know, fighting communism. Um, it doesn't appear that they, they, as far as we know, they didn't find anything. This is one of the other theories. Now we're going to drift into a bit more speculative stuff here. There you go. Okay. Yeah, there okay. you go, John. Don't so, speculate. <laughs> we're at like a crossroads here in our story. So everything up until now was very much, absolutely, definitely happened. Thing with MK Ultra is basically when Sidney Gottlieb knew time was up and he was on the way out, he was like, "I better get down to the archives and." do some shredding so he did and he stood there over the archivist and was like shred that and your man was like I don't think I should be shredding all these boxes of files he's like do it now and he had your man Alan Dulles call up and say no no I'm the deputy director you do all that now they missed some that's how we know about a bit of it there's no record of how many people might have died during these experiments or no accurate record of how many people were left permanently damaged how many people were experimented on there's huge empty pockets and one of the questions and this is where speculation comes in, in a big way. As far as we know, this didn't work. What didn't work? They didn't learn how to control someone's brain. Oh, right, okay. They yeah. didn't learn how to... that that yeah. was going to happen. Like, let, they just made people absolutely mush. Unless... And left them. That's what he wants us to think. Mm. And we're all just living in See? there, what they You've want. Got that See that we crossed that line just there. On there. He put us <laughs> straight on. And just hopped over that line. <laughs> Give me my tinfoil hat right now. But there are people who speculate that maybe they actually did have some success. Sure. A lot of what we're going to cover now is comes from a journalist called Tom O'Neill, who wrote a book. Irish fella, is he? I'm sure he has. Irish roots. His book is called Chaos. Charles Manson, the CIA and the secret history of the 60s. And he spent 20 years on this book trying to uncover the possible links between Charles Manson and the CIA and maybe MKUltra and all of this stuff. And he f- seems like, you know, he's very credible. He's very diligent. He himself admits he didn't find definite answers to a lot of these questions. But he found a lot of interesting stuff. Okay. His book is like 600 pages long. We're not going to go through all that stuff. We're skimming the surface again. But... Oh, I definitely won't. <laughs> I'm tempted to buy it right now. So what we'll focus on here is a man called Dr. Louis Jolian West, or as he was known, Jolly West, because he was a very big, happy, fat man. Class. Yep. Oh, fat man, not jolly. 
I'm not. He was a highly respected and very famous psychiatrist. And his role in MK Ultra brings in Charles Manson, the Manson family. Where's the connection there? The LaBianca Tate murders, all of that. Yeah. The JFK assassination and accusations of mind control that did work. He also accidentally once killed an elephant with LSD. Hate when that happens. Yeah. Hate when you kill an elephant with LSD. Yeah. And shit. Oh, no. Gave it loads of LSD. Didn't get the dose right. Johnny West did. Yeah. He was just like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Give him a big sheet of LSD. Oh, bollocks, he's dead. Why was he giving an elephant LSD? <laughs> Why were they doing any of this stuff? Ah, what, an elephant? Like an elephant. They've run out, probably run out of shit to do. <laughs> I know there's question elephant marks. On, there's question marks on Who all of it. Who would not like, giving LSD to at this stage? <laughs> give it to a fucking elephant. Oh, they probably give it loads of animals. So, sure. imagine so. Fucking hell. So, the problem apparently was they just went like an elephant is 10 times the weight of a human so just give them 10 times as much LSD whereas they should have said an elephant's brain is however many times the size of a human's brain they didn't stop to think about that and they gave them loads of LSD and within 20 minutes they're like fuck this elephant is tripping balls <laughs> yeah Dumb, Dumbo. Die. Dumbo. So that's what Dumbo they were all out of heads on LSD when they were making Dumbo that bleeding that trippy song in it and yeah. all the 11 elephants or the 12 elephants or whatever that song's called Pink elephants. Oh yeah, there's a lot of that in. I'll trip and balls. Um, animated films from the 50s and 60s and the 70s, whatever. I don't actually LSD. That was probably the Tordies, wasn't it? LSD wasn't around then, but just drunk. He was Dumbo took a big gargle. He was gargled on the yeah. champagne and then started seeing pink elephants. <laughs> Did you see the live action version of it? No, Colin Farrell. That scene is in it. The elephants. The pink, pink elephants. elephants. I haven't seen it, but I heard it's a bit weird. I'd say it's a bit weird. I'd say so. Anyway. Anyway. Go on. We what? digress. Uh, hey, where's the connection here now with Charles Manson and, and the fucking JFK assassination? Yeah, we'll get there. The treads are being connected so far apart in my head. <laughs> right. We'll do the overview of the Charles Manson murders, will we? Go for it. Charles Manson himself never killed anyone. But the official story is July of 1969, Charles Manson ordered three of his followers, the Manson family, he had followers at his ranch. He ordered three of them to rob a music teacher called Gary Hinman they robbed Gary Hinman. They torched him for two days, at which point Manson spoke to him on the phone and said, you know what to do. They then stabbed him, smothered him, killed him. And then Manson, supposedly, told him to leave signs around the crime scene implicating the Black Panthers. So they used Hinman's blood to write political piggy on the wall. That's a lot of letters. Political piggy. Then in August, four of the Manson family leave their commune they drive 40 minutes away and they murder five people at the home of actress Sharon Tate and they write the word pig in blood on the front door. Easier, three letters. Um, simple. Mm-hmm. Then the following day, that group, along with three other members of the Manson family, go to another house and they murder a man called Lino LaBianca and his wife and um, they write death to pigs on the wall. The official story is supposedly that Manson was trying to inspire a race war in America by trying to frame the Black Panthers for these murders. Ah, and how how was he trying to frame them? What was his... Was he suggesting something? Well, right, Leaving political piggy Panthers and stuff would on the wall them. would... Yeah, supposedly. Was the Black Panthers? Yeah. Okay. Is this just one theory? This is the official... Events of... Okay. Version of events. That's what Charles Manson wanted to do. This is 1969 when the Manson family murders happened, right? In How many people were in the, the Manson family? 100 members in the Manson family. 100 members? And they were all women? 
No? A lot of them. No, not all of them, but a lot of them. One of the murderers was a fellow called Charles Tex Watson, but most of them were women, yeah. So, Brainwashed. Nin- 1967, Manson's parole officer was a fellow called Roger Smith. He was a criminology PhD who had 40 parolees he looked after until he started looking after Charles Manson and for some odd reason, suddenly he was only looking after Charles Manson. This is all stuff your man, Tom O'Neill, the journalist, uncovered. Manson kept getting arrested for petty crimes in the 60s and this fellow, Roger Smith, his parole officer, never revoked his parole. After one arrest made the newspapers, Smith's supervisor stepped in and said, you got to send this guy back to prison. Like, why Why'd you keep letting him out? The supervisor was overruled by the head office in Washington. Manson and his followers would often visit Smith at a place called the Haight-Ashbury Free Medical Clinic, where Smith was running something called the Amphetamine Research Project. He was studying the role that drugs played in psychotic violence. So Manson and members of his cult would go along and hang around at these offices. Like Manson kept getting let back. He'd commit crimes and judges and everybody would keep sending him back. Very suspect. Mm, kind of makes fucking sense. There's nothing... He kept getting... There's no smoking gun here, but it's just, it is strange. Yeah, but for murder? No, not murder. No, it was petty crimes. Oh, Car theft it, and I think like uh, violent. Before like he was doing what he was doing with the, the Manson family, what was it before that? Like, I know you're saying petty crimes, but was he anywhere near that kind of fucking shit before he was hanging out around these... Charles Manson, I think, from the age of 13, I think he was uh, robbing cars and robbing shops and just, I don't think he had any parents in his life at that stage. He was just tear away, doing whatever he wanted from a very, very young age. So, Manson and his followers were going to this free medical clinic. Wait for him now. (laughs) Joe's eating. Manson and his followers went into this medical clinic. So they were going to the medical clinic and this is one of those things where we're saying it's a bit speculative because this could be a coincidence. They were going in for free. Uh, some of them were pregnant. They were going in for care with that. There was STI screening, that kind of thing. Uh, Manson obviously had to meet your man, Roger Smith, because he was his parole officer. So there are perfectly legitimate reasons why they're going to this clinic. But at the same time, working from that clinic was... Jolly West. Jolly West who killed an elephant with the LSD. <laughs> the same man. Who for a very, 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 very long time said he had nothing to do with MK Ultra until stuff emerged. Yeah. And they said, yes, you did. Uh, you are good pals with Sidney Gottlieb and you had all sorts of dreams and plans together. And he went, oh, oh, oh you got me. <laughs> Jolly West was running what they call a hippie crash pad. So him and his, he'd have like a team of researchers and they'd dress like hippies in San Francisco and go out around the streets and try and just undercover basically mingle with other hippies there and ask them do they want to come back and stay and hang around the house uh, people would and as they did give them LSD and see what the effects were they studied them so that was what uh, one of the things Jolly West was doing in San Francisco around that time Tom O'Neill to go back to that journalist he discovered much later that Jolly West and Sidney Gottlieb had years earlier before Manson or this crash pad in San Francisco and like that they had talked about their work and they'd also talked about the need to take it outside the research lab and into the real world and they talked about the potential for hypnosis or even the possibility that maybe you could figure out a way to induce psychosis in someone without them realising that you'd done it to them so they had all these big ideas of what could be done to the human mind uh, I think back in the 50s they were talking about this so basically the 
connection here and whether it's just coincidence, but Manson and the Manson family would go on to, particularly the family, Manson was able to basically command them to commit murders, horrific murders. That's basically what MK Ultra had dreamt of doing, was being able to control people's minds and have them mm. do your bidding. Manson, it seems, achieved that. And Manson was in quite close proximity to one of the main researchers, Jolly West. Okay. And Manson seemingly couldn't buy a ticket to jail for the couple of years he was hanging around Jolly West. So these are the things that were definitely happening. But this is why it's speculation. There's no smoking gun linking all this together. So Jolly yeah. West was definitely part of MK Ultra. Yeah. And Jolly West was Manson's doctor. No, Jolly West had an office in this medical clinic. That they were going Where to. Roger Smith was running this experiment on psychoactive drugs and their relationship with violent behaviour. So he was running these tests in this medical centre and that meant that Manson would go there for his meetings with them as his parole officer. So Roger Smith is the fellow who kept not sending them back to prison. Is the theory like that in that medical centre that they would have brainwashed Charles Manson and the Manson family then? Or just Charles Manson and then Manson spread the word of what to do? Don't know, it could have been, Is yeah. that the theory? Yeah, maybe, yeah. That's the kind of more conspiracy theory side of things. Mm. There's no proof that that happened. But there is circumstantial stuff. It could be coincidence, but maybe it's not. So Charles Manson's parole officer was running an amphetamine. Yep. His parole officer. Yeah. Was running an amphetamine. Man, it was a six clinic, <laughs> <laughs> and he was a hairdresser as well. <laughs> like what the fuck? And his parole officer was walking out of a clinic that was doing amphetamine testing, which is not LSD. Quite the opposite, maybe. Do you remember those American soldiers who they thought were brainwashed? No. The Korean lads oh, yes. in Korea. Yeah, the yeah. very start of all this. Yeah, in the 50s. Guess who they sent to deprogram them? Uh, the Smith fella. Jolly West. Jolly West. Jolly West again. Get up there of it. Jolly West jo- can anyone up though, can't he? He's a good crack. Jolly West, huh? <laughs> now, we're going to go back in time a little bit. They give him too nice a name now, I think. This is another one that's weird. Again, same kind of vein here. But 1954. Things are about to get sad again. Oh, bring it down. I'm out. Sorry. A three-year-old girl Joe Horton, her name is, she's kidnapped from a car park of a bar in Texas quite late at night. A three-year-old girl? Yep. People go looking for her and a 29-year-old married father of two, a man named Jimmy Shaver, who had absolutely no history of violence, he emerges from the bushes covered in scratches and blood and he says he's absolutely no memory of what's happened. Bystanders say he's dazed and in a trance-like state. The girl was found, she had been murdered and... Jimmy Shaver is arrested. Two months pass, he's in custody. He still can't remember. He has been taken to a military base, the hospital. They order a psychiatric assessment of him. Guess who the head of psychiatric services at that base was? Was it Jolly? It was Jolly West. Was it? Mm. Jolly West is MK Ultra. He, he is. is MK Ultra. So it was up to Jolly West to decide if Shaver had been sane at the time of the murder. So Shaver spent the next two weeks under West's supervision. Uh, They went back to the scene of the crime, trying to jog his memory. He hypnotised Shaver. He gave him an injection of sodium pentothal, which they considered to be a truth serum. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, your guess was mine. like salt. Uh, They thought it could clear his amnesia. Nobody else knew he was doing this stuff and he shouldn't have been doing this stuff, like hypnosis and truth serums and uh, other doctors who had links to the case had no idea he was doing this stuff. Mm. And also apparently West, when when he did interviews with him, he'd ask him quite leading questions. 
And looking back on it now, supposedly when you see the defence he gave of Shaver at the trial, which apparently wasn't much of a defence, he really didn't do a whole lot to try and help him. West defended him? Well, he testified because he had been the psychiatrist. So his lawyers would have argued he was uh, not legally sane. West apparently didn't do a great job of defending him. The reason he was sent to this military base was because he was having severe migraines after he was arrested. And in 1958, on his 33rd birthday, Jimmy Shaver was executed by electric chair. Now, there supposedly, what we do know about Jolly West suggests that this base where Jimmy Shaver was taken to was a big site for where Jolly West did a lot of the MK Ultra work. And when Tom O'Neill went to look up information on Jimmy Shaver on the archives of this base, they have like a master index of all the patients who'd ever been there. And he says when he went to look for the records in 1954 when this happened, Everything was there except the files for the last names beginning S-A through S-T. So S-H, Shaver, would have been missing. Mm. He just found that strange. Somebody had decided to take Jimmy Shaver's file out. Again, maybe it's just a coincidence. Jolly West just worked there and it happened nearby. But yeah, this is kind of, when you talk you about the, say for sure anyway. the ideals of MK Ultra to control someone's mind, to have them do something without them even realising they're doing it. Did they find the girl? Yeah, she was dead. And it was him that did it. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't seem to be any doubt that he did it, but yeah. he swore he had no memory of doing it. That was the weird thing. Like, he had no history of violence or anything like that. And the conspiratorial thinking would be, well, he must have been an MK Ultra subject who was, they tested out, basically, could he, this man be kind of but, programmed to do something so heinous? Yeah, like, why a three-year-old girl? Like, I suppose for theorising, like, that's... If you want to be absolutely sure that you're going to be able to program someone to do something completely against every moral fibre. Yeah. They have. That would be it, wouldn't it? Yeah. I guess, yeah. Now, JFK assassination. Let's go. Let's go, baby. This is why he's here. Let's fucking go. So Lee Harvey Oswald, who, and we're not even going to touch on this, but there is all sorts <laughs> of speculation that Lee Harvey Oswald worked for the CIA. But also the KGB. Do you know who Jack Ruby is? Or was? Oh, you do. Oh, I don't. So Lee Harvey Oswald, after he killed supposedly, allegedly. He killed them. JFK. Did he? he didn't. The day after, when Lee Harvey Oswald is arrested for the murder of JFK, as he is being transported and in front of a massive crowd of people, including photographers and TV crews and everything, uh, a man steps forward and shoots Lee Harvey Oswald, kills him. This is Jack Ruby. Mm. Jack Ruby, months later, after he's been to trial and all that, he's due to testify at the Warren Commission, which is the government commission trying to investigate the JFK assassination. Ruby... He and his friends and family had always maintained that like he was mentally sound. There was nothing wrong with him. But when he is preparing to go to testify at the Warren Commission, a psychiatrist visits him in his cell. <laughs> Who do you think that was? Stop. It was not Jolly West, was it? It was. Jesus Christ. This fucking... Did you notice now? No, I didn't notice, no. Jolly West goes in and spends some time with him and comes out and tells the assembled press Jack Ruby has had a psychotic break that is irreversible. Jack Ruby has lost his mind and he won't be coming back to planet Earth, basically. Jolly West tells the press. And yeah, Ruby, like there's reports of Jack Ruby then, like he's headbutting the wall, he's trying to hurt himself, he's hiding under the table, screaming, people are trying to kill him. He's grabbing people and screaming at them that like they're going to massacre the Jews. Jack Ruby was Jewish. He has, it seems, lost his mind. He would die a couple of years later. And again, maybe total coincidence. And Jolly West was a very high profile man of his position like it is not a huge leap that he would be sent into a high profile situation like this okay. but as Tom O'Neill points out like Jack Ruby like supposedly when he was arrested he kind of seemed confused 
didn't know what was going on. Jack Ruby. Yeah, and the original story was that he had said he killed Oswald because he was so angry at what had happened to Kennedy mm. and he wanted to spare Jackie Kennedy the pain of going through the trial. Yeah. So he's like, I lost my mind with the anger and the upset and all this. Supposedly that was basically fabricated by his lawyers in the near aftermath of when it all happened. And maybe a coincidence, but you know. But was he banging his head off the walls and everything? Yeah. This is, yeah. That's true. Like it wasn't yeah. just yeah. someone making that up just to cover it up. Right? He could have been doing it intentionally just to play it insanity, possibly. But maybe he was just tripping. Yeah, there's just some of the, the tangents that went off with Jolly West. I mean, this is, we yeah. don't know, like, but... Yeah, it's mad. He's president at a lot of places where people have yeah. killed people in high-profile ways that there's big gaps in the logic and really, the motivation. I want to Google him. I want to see what he looks like. I want to see what he... I'm just picturing <laughs> Dr. Hibbert. So how did them... What, like, why did MK Ultra come to an end? Sidney Gottlieb basically just realised it was going nowhere. They realised this isn't working. This is what we understand to be the truth. He figured, this isn't happening. We've been doing this 20 years. We've had our fun. I could have fucking told him that. (laughs) (laughs) We had our fun. He had his fun, all right. 200 hits at the LSD. He just said, enough's enough. And they wound it down. No Uh, questions asked. Just kind of, that's enough. And then just comes to a stop. Yeah. Like I was saying before, there was no kind of, there was no review process at the end. There was no debrief. There's no records of how many people were experimented on, what experiments were done. Huge amount is not known. Is there, has there been like a Freedom of Information Act pulled on them or to kind of get the... I mean, they destroyed. All the, all the files are destroyed, right? So it's all just going to be speculation. Yeah, there was some... A book being written and the author, I think they had tip-offs on some of the MK Ultra stuff. So they were putting stuff in and the CIA redacted a huge amount of stuff. And that led some politicians to say, hang on, why, why are you hiding so much stuff? So mm. they had a Senate committee called the Church Committee in the 1970s. And that kind of was asking questions about this. And that's when they went to find out what was happening and the whole thing with like Sidney Gottlieb and so on, basically trying to get rid of all the evidence. And they found boxes of files that had been left in another library or archive or somewhere. But at that stage, apparently they didn't really know. They didn't know enough. So Sidney Gottlieb was kind of able to sit there and go, ah, we did this and we did that. But they didn't know enough to ask him the pointed questions they needed to ask him to pin him in a corner and get any real answers. He also got immunity from prosecution for his testimony. Who? Gottlieb? Yeah. Ah, well, no doubt, yeah. Jesus. So, do you remember I told you Sidney Gottlieb, like he was inventor of all these strange spy gadgets and so on? Yeah. yeah. So, like that gadget. you might imagine he was uh, like a super villain. Yeah. He, so some of the things he invented, cameras inside a cigarette lighter, um, cars with secret compartments that you could use to smuggle a person across a border. Go back. Glove box. Go back, go back, go back. <laughs> what do you mean cameras inside a cigarette lighter? Well, exactly, yeah. Just a camera and a cigarette. Yeah. This is the 50s. Oh, yeah. 50s, 60s, yeah. Man. There's technology that exists right now that we have no idea about. He invented a needle that lets you inject poison into a wine bottle without breaking the cork. Here's the best one. This is the best one. This is the best one. <laughs> I don't he, think it'll top the... He invented lighter. a jailbreak kit that everything you would need to break out of prison. But he invented one so small and designed to fit up your arse. Designed. Designed to fit up Did your arse. Did anyone ever use that and have great success? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they were in the files that got shredded. Like, oh. <laughs> we're going to fill up your large. How are you going to break? Hey, get out of here. That would be a weird scene in James Bond now. Someone just pulled like a little money burner. <laughs> a little a little dildo out of their ass with some keys, lock picks and shit. Well, I think it was made with a, what was a tiny little thing that you could just pop on up there. Like you wouldn't have to put it in a bag. Or, I don't know. Like, 
Yeah, like a suppository. Kiss that area last there, will you? I was going like that. Hang on, I'm saying. <laughs> Thanks, Miss Money Penny. <laughs> oh, Money Penny, take us out of my ass. And yeah, he was like, he was maybe like the way he described himself. Are he would seem like almost like a Bond supervillain, but he's apparently a very spiritual person. When he's finished his work for the CIA himself and his wife moved to India where they work with the poor people of leprosy, he Gave them all lived in an eco-cabin in the woods with no running water. Much like the Unabomber. Mm-hmm. Grew his own veg, meditated, studied Buddhism, milked his own goats before dawn, this kind of crack, that's the life he was leading. The hipster before his time. Yeah, he built one of the first solar homes in Virginia. Solar homes? Solar homes. Resourceful chap. Even though... We played him. Even though everything he did and he was a part of, he makes it kind of wholesome for himself. Like, Yeah, I've listened to interviews with people who would know his story a lot better. And they asked him this, like, how does that weigh up? Yeah. Someone who is like seemingly so caring and peaceful in his personal life and then his professional life, he's done such hideous things. And the only theory is that he fully bought into the idea that like the future of civilization was up for grabs in the Cold War. And if Bullshit. he didn't figure it out, for the good guys. He just was a big fan of giving everyone LSD. That too. Everyone and their elephant. But it was so brand new. Mm. Like LSD was discovered by accident. And it, it was so new that maybe you did. Maybe, like we know more now. But like at the time you're probably like this is insane. Like we can literally change reality. They probably thought it was fucking real what they were experiencing. Yeah, yeah. Like it was so brand new. You'd be just like Shh, this is so powerful. This didn't exist yesterday. And now it exists and we have it. And we can manipulate it to do whatever we want. But then the shit that they done on it, if what is being alleged is true, then that's pretty bleak and dark. But some of it is true. Some of it. Almost everyone I've told you there. <laughs> Apart from the No, everything I've told you there yeah. is true. Where we get like the theories and speculation is those ones around Jolly West where he's in a place and this other thing happens. And there's no definite record saying that he made that thing happen. Mm. Like with the murder of the three-year-old girl and... Jack Ruby and Charles Manson Jolly West is in and around all those things in some way and that's kind of the coincidence maybe or maybe there's something more to it because they were three incidents where you would look at it and say that's really what they were aiming to do from the get-go with MK Ultra. program someone to do something you know I mean people do hideous stuff all the time and it, it's not out of the realms of possibility that people aren't under this mind control drug whatever that's Maybe they achieved what he was trying to do and he's like, okay, here we go. Here's the tools. I'm out. I'm done. And then he just left it. That's a theory that they did find out more than was ever yeah. revealed. And if not them, maybe the Russians, maybe the communists. I mean, if anyone's under mind control, it'd be the Russians. So did anyone ever face uh, punishment in the end for... Like, was anyone ever held responsible for any of the many, many awful yeah. things they did? Yeah. Not one single person. Nobody was held to account? Nope. Why? By the time it came out, I think people were dead or had immunity or wasn't enough evidence. When did it come out? Early 70s is when it started coming out. And then it kind of got drip fed. Like the stuff about Canada only came out in the early 80s. A lot of that stuff about Jolly West, that would have come out very, very recently with that book, Chaos. Uh, by when are we talking? What, what's recent? Like last five years. Oh. Holy shit. He tied together that stuff, yeah. Oh, fucking hell. He does a, he's done a full episode with Joe Rogan, which is well worth Jolly West to. did. <laughs> with Joe no. Rogan. Sorry, sorry. No. <laughs> Tom O'Neill did it. And he explains all this in a lot more detail. Jolly West is in the ground now, is he? I believe so, yeah. In a big fat coffin. In Massey Bros. Big gab show. Was that even a trial? 
Of who? Any of these CIA members. No, like I said, they had that church committee uh, and they Torture uncovered people. some stuff, but like they didn't know what they were asking. So they, everyone just got away with torturing people. Scott free. Tell you, wouldn't get away with that now. Yeah, you would. <laughs> Go on to Animal Bay. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's mad. It's mad. That's mad. I was uh, engrossed in that now, I have to say. That was a deep dive. And to be honest, I think it just opened more treads that I want to pull. I want to pull more treads on this Jack Rubio fella. I know he was a nightclub owner, yeah. but that's about the extent of my knowledge. And I want to go more into the Manson family. Yeah, for sure. I want a Manson family episode. Okay, we'll do Manson family one too. Although that's going to yeah, be real grim. Like, Jesus, some of that was grim, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. The one that stood out for me was uh, obviously the three-year-old girl and the guy asking for his wife, which is like dreadful. Yeah, no, imagine asking for your wife. Ugh, that's pure torture. Jesus Christ. Imagine that's the only thing you have left in your in your canister. Call me wife. Oh, that's pure torture. Dirty evil bastard. You're a dirty bastard. <laughs> <laughs> the poor fuck I like. So what you're saying, you'd say, ah, me kids for swear. Anyone. I call Darren. Where's yeah. Darren? Dirty bastard. <laughs> Where's Darren? 27 days later. Imagine, Darren! Why are you calling me over his wife? <laughs> Darren! Darren! Mord is like, fuck's sake. Shut up and take another card of this fucking LSD. <laughs> oh, and then God. LSD started becoming more cool and they started putting like comic strips LSD like. Yeah. You know, like the design of them was just. That was Jordan all of that. Was that not like afterwards they started making LSD fucking kill but it was just like that was all happening at the one time then? Yeah, yeah. I mean there's a whole other episode there in the history of LSD isn't there? But yeah, like the CIA introduced LSD to America so all yeah. the people then and it's the people they introduced it to. So there wasn't like a period of time afterwards that this kind of the LSD surfaced to the public like if you want to say. I don't know how it made the leap from them buying all the LSD in the world. Yeah. But that's fucking private labs must have started making it on the sly. I don't know how it worked. It's synthetic. Like yeah. You, you, you can create it like, you can, yeah. you can make and it. Once someone got wind of how to make it, like, yeah. it was just like the way any drug is nowadays. Yeah. Yep. Sure, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds from the Beatles is LSD. Like that whole album, that whole fucking mad album, it's just a trippy, they were all out of their heads on LSD when you were making it. Would you try it? I'd love to, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be able for that shit. Love to. I can barely survive a nicotine buzz. <laughs> I don't even like standing up too quick <laughs> let alone fucking chase a bleeding elephant that's not there imagine playing Bin Laden in a movie well there you go huh? Oh, that's that's madness that is madness oh and thanks very much for doing that research doing that deep dive very welcome yeah, you got the flippers on for that deep dive, didn't you? Very you flippers very. on. <laughs> you went way down there with the oxygen tank. Uh, Fair play to you. You might as well tell them. Tell them what? Who the sponsor is. Ah, oh, well, it should come out to me. You know Stall at the podcast that you're listening to right now? It's a Go Loud original podcast and it's proudly sponsored by the Five Lamps. The beer from uh, here gives up at that. <laughs> I'm going to say that next time I see someone drinking a Five Lamps. I'm going to say, ah, uh, here. Sup of that. Can I have a little sup? Just give me a little taste of give it. Give us a little swig of that. If someone said that to me, I'd say, Come here, I'll get you the point, relax. You never point yeah. a five lamps. I'll just say, I'll have the rest of it, like, walk away. I'll, I'll say, you. Sit down there and I'll tell you all about NK Ultra. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just absolutely buzzing that I got to tell people to visit drinkaware.ie. And Good. again, another episode that I learned something from. And it brings us one step closer to the live show in Vicar Street. Ah, ah. Yeah. 
We're very excited. We're very excited. I hope you are too. Don't bring any LSD. <laughs> or do. Maybe it'd be amazing. Well, it's kind of, it's totally up to you what you want to do with your life. Um, but don't give me any of that shit. I'll give you some. <laughs> I'll give you you want some? Do you want a little, just a little square. A little quarter. How to square that? Uh, hold on, how to square that? Wouldn't be able to go on. There's a drink aware. <laughs> Take LSD aware.ie. <laughs> <laughs> Right, go on, we'll we leave you to it, alright? Enjoy his uh, lives, enjoy your life. <laughs> <laughs> enjoy your life.